personal log. As of next week, I, Commander William T. Riker, will have been captaining the USS Enterprise for nine years and receiving criticism of hitting that high note with my trombone for more than 30. Now that's how you use the future imperfect tense in a sentence, Jean-Luc. Welcome to Reengage, where we watch every episode of the oh, sci-fi no. series Star Trek The Next Generation and re-engage with the show from the perspective of adult storytellers instead of the Gen X kids we were when it first aired. Today, we're talking about the eighth episode of season four, Future Imperfect. And I'm so excited to welcome my fellow cultural bridge officers back for our first recording of this calendar year, 2023, to discuss the graying beard of Daddy Riker. Commander Kate Yeager, how are you doing? It's so good to see your face. Uh, it's good to see your face. Uh, I am. Do- I have the COVID, so oh. I'm fine. Uh, you know, all things considered. But um, but uh, it finally got me. I almost made it three years. Uh, but alas, it was my time. It will have been three years. Um, it will have been three years. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, how are you doing? Uh, I'm fantastic. No COVID here. Clean as a whistle. But you mm. did have the COVIDs. Is that right? A week ago. Yes, my fa- my my house had the COVIDs, but uh, we're over it now. That's good. <laughs> In this new year. And Eric Grattan, you're calling to us from across the sea. I am. I, I think we're going by Eric Curry on this, which makes me so happy. Eric Curry. Uh, yes. I, it's it's a weird thing, because on stage, I am still the Grattan. Uh and uh I, but you know this is this is not acting this is hanging with my buds That's um, so i'm i'm doing quite well and i miss all three of you and happy new year happy new year yay it's a new new year this episode as i said is called future imperfect it is season four episode eight it takes place on star date four four two eight six point five that happened First broadcast, November 12th, 1990. And I'm going to get into some of the things that were happening there on November 12th. On this day, the World Wide Web was first proposed by Tim Berners-Lee and Robert Calio uh, at CERN. This is when WWW was first out there. It was a document uh, that they put forth uh, internally at CERN, which is a think tank research thing in France um, and it is the first document that uh, mentions uh, browser and hyperlinking and pages and wow. basically the way we describe the internet to this day uh, was the day that this aired. That's freaking cool. November 13th, the day after this, a terrible story oh, uh, in great. New Zealand in a very small town, Era Moana. <laughs> Uh, a person uh, went on a shooting spree and killed 13 people in this really small town. Right. Uh, I don't want to get into the details of all of that, but it was, I read about it. It's terrible. But the strange thing is that once that happened in New Zealand, they banned guns uh, and came down with lots of uh, legislation. And I just think it's such a contrast to what happens here in America. But it blows my mind that we still don't have something like that here. Agreed. No one wants to touch that. So in slightly better news, <laughs> <laughs> on November 15th, a couple days after this, uh, the U.S. Uh, made some amendments to the Clear Air Act, uh, which is the first piece of legislation in uh, America that dealt with 
environmental uh, problems. It was first done in the 60s and it's been updated a couple of times since then. And then 1990, the amendments included things that would restrict uh, gases and chemicals released into the air that would uh, which would uh, contribute to acid rain uh, and uh, CFCs. Remember how CFCs were such a big deal about the aerosol mm -hmm. uh, deodorants that people were using and how that was killing the ozone layer. So a lot of the things that were talked about a lot, uh, and I know uh, Kate, we mentioned about Earth Day and all the things that we're, we're really excited about, but this this act curtailed a lot of stuff. Obviously, there's still a lot of terrible things going on, but it it, it, it stopped some of those things that were a big topic in the 80s around environmental issues so that was good that was good uh also good was some fun entertaining things happening right kate pop culture things were happening uh popping and locking was sure to come into <laughs> style soon uh here in november 12 1990 the number one song was love takes time by mariah carey uh, i'm gonna sing her high wow. note right now here it goes it was so high you couldn't even hear it. That's how high it was. Dogs in uh, the neighborhood are going crazy, but that's how high she sings. Uh, the number one oh, movie was Child's Play 2. Mm. Yes. Fuck yeah. Yeah, Child's Play 2. Chucky's Revenge? Is that what that is? Uh, the uh, electric chookaloo, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Way to tie it into the popping and locking joke. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and on theater, in the theater world, Fiddler on the Roof uh, revival opened at the Gershwin Theater for 241 performances. Mm, nice aspirated O, Kate. Thank you. And that's what was <laughs> happening in pop culture. Nice. Jimmy, what was happening behind the scenes on this Future Imperfect episode? Uh, well, there's three things that I found interesting. One, the new insignias that I'm sure uh, everyone noticed uh, with the Starfleet insignia with the bars behind it. Uh, the four, there is one to four bars behind uh, different people's communicator badge and that denoted their rank. So instead of just the badge and then the little dots that are on the collar, uh, it was a clearer way to let people know um, how significant or insignificant you were <laughs> in the pecking order. Um, this is another episode about family. Uh, and if you're keeping tabs, it's like the first nine episodes, I guess, are family as a major theme. So good on them for sticking with it. And uh, April Grace, the actress who plays the transporter chief in this episode, um, and we'll see her in many more episodes to come, she's actually giving a last name uh, in Future Imperfect, and that is Hubble. Oh. oh. So chief, hopefully chief Hubble. Um, her paycheck was commiserate with that, uh, that title <laughs> or character name. And that's all it I have never is. for the Nemesis Files. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Eric, that, that's a good transition into all the co-stars to this episode. Well, thank you, Jimmy. Thank you for that transition through Greg to me. We'll talk about co-stars here for a second. Um, we're not really going to get into Andreas Katsulas. Uh, who we love so much, uh, since we have seen him before in this self-same Romulan uh, role. And we're not also not going to get into the briefly seen um, uh, figment of Riker's imagination, who makes uh, herself known once more uh, via Holodeck 2. But we are going to spend some time on young Jean-Luc Riker, uh, played by Chris Dimitrol. Uh, what a career, very short, retired uh, almost 20 years ago, um, 
but in the first year of his acting, he did Mr. Belvedere, uh, ABC After School Special, Major Dad, Empty Nest, and The Wonder Years. Whoa. And then this year, when we see him in Next Generation, uh, he also did The New Lassie and The Magical World of Disney. And then, right after this, the same year, in fact, he gained the role for which I knew him best, which was as the kid, Jeremy Tupper, on Dream On with young Brian Ben-Ben as the pop. Mm. Y'all remember that shit. 119 episodes. He did that for six years. Then did big shit, like sometimes they come back, if you like TV movie genre fare, as I do. Uh, Parker Lewis Can't Lose, one of my favorite early Fox TV shows. Blossom, like, could not lose this guy. Step by step, blank check the movie, of course. He was the older brother. You remember that weird-ass thing? Yeah. He did uh, Dallas J.R. Returns TV movie as The Sun. The New Generation of Ewings. He did 90210, Dawson's Creek, Batman Beyond, CSI in its first couple seasons. And then he retired. Moved back home to Michigan. Just felt the need to get away from it all, is (laughs) is what I can find out. Makes sense to me. I hope he kept the money. And uh, let's uh, get into uh, what we came to talk about. Absolutely. God, he's getting those sweet, sweet residuals now, I'm sure, forever and ever. Or or not. I mean, those are some big shows. They are some big shows. Um, I don't know if they're still being syndicated or broadcast anywhere anymore. <laughs> That's a topic of Ugh. conversation with the entertainment thing about how streaming is going on right now. But, motherfuckers, we uh, will motherfuck them later because it is time <laughs> for uh, Commander Riker's birthday party. What a great opening this is. Uh, We get the long shot of the Enterprise uh, coming in here. So we definitely are aware it's a sci-fi show. But then we get um, a fun little soiree happening in 10 forward with uh, Riker trying to play a high note uh, in his trombone and not making it happen with his embouchure. Get some nice jibbing uh, from Troy, who says he needs some music lessons. In general, I thought this was a pretty good office workplace birthday party portrayal, where it's slightly awkward, but that's kind of how it works in in this type of thing. What did you guys think about the the way the party was portrayed? I like some sad trombone. All I was missing was one of those big sheet cakes. (laughs) There was a sheet cake, though. I was like, where did they get a sheet cake? Is there a bakery on board? Was it yellow? Was it a yellow sheet cake? It has to have been a yellow sheet cake. Delicious. I found myself wondering in the episode what it must be like in the 24th century to buy or to ask the computer to generate a gift for somebody when anybody can just sort of materialize whatever they want. Um, And why hadn't he done this already with the trombone? Like how brilliant it must have been for whoever it was. Like, you know what he really has wanted and for some reason has never asked for is a trombone. And, uh, you know, computer. Because he, he goes to the because he goes to the holodeck. Oh, that's right. The holodeck provides it. But they've got to have some real instruments. Now too. he has to carry it. <laughs> that's right. Because he uses real hands. <laughs> motherfucker stupid future can we motherfuck that guy <laughs> uh but then we go back to the bridge and data has one of his very uh, uh few lines during this episode but does say 
why do people pay attention to birthdays? It's not like they remember it. <laughs> Always dumb exactly when he needs to be. <laughs> He's so stupid. <laughs> You can't make that guy third in command. <laughs> or second in command, as the case will be in this episode. No. I want to point out there's a there's a there's an extra here who has some lines, who yeah. is the yes. most ramrod straight, like, terrifying. I don't like, it was like he was yeah. assembled around a giant pole. That, <laughs> <it> just... <laughs> Kate, is this the guy who finds the uh, th- finds that they've been they're being probed? That they're being probed, yeah. Y- yes. Right. It- yeah. He has the one line stiffness. It strikes well, it- again. I wondered if he would be a little pissed off, like because he found the probing. He's like, and then he's immediately pushed aside <laughs> right? by somebody yeah. else to do the work. He's like, um, I found it. Well, it's I like a he's- the job. <laughs> A, he's not invited to the party. Right. B, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even think about that. that. Motherfucker, he's pissed. Uh, but that's actually a named guy. His his name is Ensign Gleason, uh, and he was previously we skipped Ensign Gleason. Okay, yeah, we skipped him. Uh, he was previously seen on the Battle Bridge during the Best of Both Worlds. He was that's one right. of I think he was at that's Ops, right. I believe. Uh, so this is his second and final appearance. <laughs> and we'll all remember him for being a meat sculpture. <laughs> they get scanned and they're like, where are we? There's a scan coming from. There's a Romulan base, rumors of a Romulan base in this area. That line is among my favorite Picard lines of all time. It is just said with such Picardness. He says, all the rumors of a secret Romulan base are true. <laughs> like, he lays it all the fuck out for you in as many fucking trochees as he can put together. Ooh, well done, sir. And it's that one little line that sets up, I think, a lot of the plots here going forward, which is kind of interesting because we're, yeah. we're all thinking about Romulans uh, because of that. They go and assemble a team, they call down to the thing, and, and Riker just looks at Worf and Jordy, and they go along, and they're like, everyone's like, well, now what do we do? We've got this cake. Do we eat it? <laughs> 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 they go down to the surface into a cavern, uh, and we get a little bit of exploration. The methane gas starts to get stronger. There's more interference. They're like, oh, we got to get you out of there. They try to get all of them out. Uh, the aforementioned transporter chief Hubble says, we're having some interference, can't get Riker out, and then everything goes to white. We come back in sick bay, and everything has changed. We get that great shot of Riker looking up. Wait, Captain? He looks at the mirror. I love it. It's such a great way of visually showing that he's seeing himself, and then mugging towards the camera of like wait i'm old and then you then you can see the, the graying beard and the and the um white shoe polish that's been combed through his hair it's nice not to mention crusher has a lovely uh like Bunch. gibson girl updo <laughs> yeah. it's very nice Ooh. she's joined a cult in the last 16 years <laughs> i was wondering um because he wakes up in his uniform and then uh, Crusher mentions that he's been in a coma for 10 days and they couldn't even put him in like a hospital gown 
He's just straight up in his uniform for the whole 10 days in his coma. That is a it's regulations, Jimmy. Remember, so, so everyone knows he's the hour, captain. About, about an hour after he wakes up, they're like, there's no one on in the entire universe that can seal this deal like you who were in a coma and don't remember the last 16 years. No one else for the last 16 years has been training to do any sort of diplomacy right, work. But I, I it's agree you with you or nobody. I agree with that absolutely. And there is many other little bits that I was like, eh, that doesn't add up. But then it all makes total sense by the end. Why it yeah. doesn't add up. They're like, We can be we can be lazy if we want to. It's the kid's right. fault. Right. <laughs> it's the kid. He didn't it is kind of brilliant. The data here very yeah. well. We never yeah. have to tie our shoes in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> we can wear Nikes. <laughs> this scene also has a nurse. Wait, we can't skip past the fart cloud that kills them almost. Like the methane gets so bad <laughs> that they almost die. And it started out like sulfur and methane. And how do you do that whole thing without thinking that your character's trying real hard not to make it look like they're just smelling farts? <laughs> like, <laughs> like all three characters need to make it seem like they're having trouble keeping it together. Because that's a bad smell they're dealing with. I didn't even put that Thank together, you, but you're totally right. That it was that's a stinky poison cloud. That, yes, uh, that's a stinky poison cloud. And now I can only think of um, when Eric was in the um, Pantone. Uh oh. And he walked on stage making the fart sounds. <laughs> Every step he took, he went. <laughs> <laughs> this was in the Pantone. Yeah, I he, don't remember that oh, at all. Oh yeah, and it was. <laughs> And the part of the joke was he was doing it with his mouth so that you could see him making the, making the sound effect. Uh, it was Did I get a laugh? Oh, yeah. Okay. Especially from Ella and I. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad it killed. I don't remember it, but I got to bring that one back. You sometime. were walking over body, like the your partner. You were like walking oh, over body. Oh, right. like, <laughs> that's The bodies. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I think Jordy, Jordy's the one who who uh, discovered this fart smell. So I think he's the one who contributed to it. Closing night, the the woman who was doing the other farts with me, you know, I did it and then she did it. Um, we had gone back and forth, and I was going like <laughs> things like that every time, and then she did the last one, and the very last one on closing night, she went. <laughs> and, and it was supposed to be the sound of us taking our feet out of like deep muck, oh. you know. And so that last that last one was the most brilliant thing I'd ever been a part of, oh, so and great. it broke me so hard I had to leave the stage. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm thank you, Jimmy. Right I completely now. forgot about that. <laughs> Oh my God! What fun! I'm sure there's some outtakes for this one when they were talking methane. Yeah, I was gonna say the sick bay scene also uh, includes Alyssa Ogawa, uh, who is a long-standing character we see um, going forward even into I think a few of the movies actually uh, as the one of the lead nurses in Crusher's sick bay, which is pretty cool. Um, then we have Dr. Crusher try to explain uh, what's happening with the uh, Altarian encephalitis <laughs> here. And I love this scene because of actually um, Jonathan Frake's performance here. There's a couple of 
lines that could have been done really hammy and he did them very i thought in a in a way that seemed believable for a character like him uh, in a strange situation um one is where she's trying to she doesn't say things too outside of um normal techno babble but he's like doctor please and she has to be like all right let me dumb it down for you even more um, and then she says something about like, oh, some, some association might be able to help you get your memory back. And he does this little laugh to himself and says, like a, like a song reminding you of an old friend. And I just thought those were really great ways mm -hmm. to show like, yeah, this, this is weird. This is a weird situation, but there is some, some naturalism here where we could, we, we can see why he's going along with this charade early on. Yeah. And I mean, this is a, a genre kind of staple, right? Where. Uh, the character wakes up in a situation that you know can't possibly be true, just even because of the logistics of what happens next in the series. Like <laughs> they would do it now when they skip seven years in a scene, but back then that that wasn't something that the networks were going to really allow. A show like this, right? Uh, so, it wasn't going to have a sixteen-year time jump, right? So, I mean, I I love the, I don't know the commonality uh no that's not even right anyway i love the the trope of of this moment where you wake up in a weird place and the audience knows that it's not real but the character has to go through discovering that it's not real yeah yeah and it could have been it could have been hammy but for yeah. some reason this seemed uh like i said pretty 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 natural um but then she does say it might be permanent even all this association stuff. And I think that's the little kid being like, maybe you want to live with me forever. By the way, <laughs> it could be permanent. Um, she wants to go to his quarters to introduce the kid. Cause he's like, I didn't create this fantasy for nothing. Uh, but then of course he did because Riker's like, no, I live on the bridge. I'm a bridge liver. I only experience life through the bridge. Uh, and the computer takes a long time to recognize him. And this is part of, the crack in his reality where there's a delay in the computer, you know, being able to do what he needs to do. Which is really just prophesizing uh, how terrible Google and Alexa are going to be one day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help you with that. I thought it was the myth of workplace Wi-Fi. So he does, in fact, go to the bridge and he sees Jordy with no visor. We got to see real... LeBar Burton's eyes there. That was pretty nice. That's right. I like these little things where I went with them. Like I know in retrospect, we're talking, we all know what happens with the kiddo and what this story is. Mm -hmm. But if you allow yourself to sort of take it at face value, it's a really interesting because of some of the things like that there is uh, when they're walking to get to um, uh, the bridge they see another Klingon, uh, but it's a woman. And when mm -hmm. they get to the bridge, there's a Ferengi who is at comms. Like, I just think those are actually like steps that would naturally be in the future of the Federation, that it's kind of cool that they're peppered throughout to give us a little bit of that, like, oh, well, of course, Jordy would not have to have his eyes like that anymore. 16 years have passed. A lot of things have happened. You know, of course mm -hmm. there would be a Ferengi here. That that makes total sense. Like, I just, I think in that instance, it is good storytelling. Totally. And I I forgot I wanted to make a joke about the uh, Klingon woman walking by. I was like, was Riker looking at her because 
She was a Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you play the harp? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly entered into it because he does that like watching her go by and like looking her, making her uh, walk away. Um, and I like that they don't comment it because visual storytelling cake too, right? Like they right. visualize it and then they comment it like a scene or two later. Right. Uh, which I thought mm-hmm. was interesting. Uh, speaking like, of the, the Klingon lady who walked by, um, she is doing this interesting thing with her fingers as she walked. It's very reminiscent of what Saru does in uh, Disco. Like it's a very little, Doug Jones. Yeah, like wavy behind her back. Mm. Um, and I noted that too, Jimmy. I don't know if it was as pronounced as it is with uh, Doug Jones, but uh, it struck me. I think it is now uh, uh, canon where he got the inspiration from watching this episode. Doug Jones is a thief. Oh, no. Please come on the podcast. I was about to say, I love him so much. (laughs) You get inspiration from everywhere, right? Uh, Yeah. No, I noted that, too. It was very much the same back and forth. And um, going back to the visor, a lot of the things here uh, is is prescient for how the uh, Star Trek Ooh. universe will progress, including Geordi's eyes. In, in some ways, we see his eyes in, I think it's First Contact, uh, get replaced, or is it Generations? One of the movies where he's, uh, it's not the exact same replacement, but it is, I think he's got cloned eyes or something that regenerates his his retinas uh, that uh, he now has his, his sight, uh, as well as there being Ferengi in Starfleet, uh, and all that uh, eventually does come true in Star Trek canon. So this has got I'll some... I'll take pre-science for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So then uh, we see a Romulan warbird decloak right in front of us and Riker flips out. Red alert. We're going to shoot him down. And they're like, oh, no. And then Data, his second, uh, uh, you know, his number two, number one, number one, uh, says, this is, we were expecting this to happen and you see Riker's panic in his eyes very good at being like wait I don't I don't have any contacts and even says to data is like I think I might need to be briefed <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> there um, is questionable logic about having him resume his duty <laughs> while he is still yeah. not remembering 16 years <laughs> yeah well they had to find a way for him not to go home to get changed <laughs> Like Jimmy said, they're like, they'll do anything. They just, he's in a coma in his uniform. Why not? Fuck and it. I don't, uh, I'll ask you guys, I don't think Data looked good in Cranberry. No. <laughs> in fact, isn't that why they put, they switched the colors because it didn't look good with the yellow makeup. Oh, I didn't skin? know that. Was that originally the science, or not science, but. Security and ops was supposed to be uh, cranberry and and uh, gold for command level. Yep, and they switched it basically because of that reason. I agree. It, it, it is a weird. It did not look good. It's like <laughs> mustard and 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 ketchup together. I like mustard and ketchup together. I mean, that's pretty tasty actually on a hot dog. Um, uh, we see Admiral Picard with Deanna Troy, and I think this is the first time in Star Trek history where a character gaining a goatee does not make them evil. Ah, especially Star Trek, right? It's true. Because we had that whole episode with their the original, the TOS, yeah, yeah. and their Ooh. inverse, and they all had the goatees. They were all the evil were, goatees. I, I, know. I bet. The bad if, ones. 
I bet if we go back to uh, our childhoods and didn't remember that the kid was where this went, we might well have thought that we had an evil Picard the first time we saw this, and that's where this was going. Especially since he was on a Romulan ship. Yeah. Well, now that we, you mentioned it there, about the evil Picard, when they were on the planet and Picard radios down, and he, it has that voice modulation because of all the methane, I was like, oh, shit, Lacutus is back. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's having a relapse. <laughs> Uh, that's when we uh, understand that there's a different status quo here with the Romulans and the Federation. Uh, Picard cuts it off and be like, oh, I'll explain it all when I beam aboard. Uh, and he and Troy do in fact beam aboard and we get a briefing session in the conference room. And this is where we learn that the Romulans are at the table to sign a treaty between the Federation and the Romulan Empire due to the actions of Riker as captain of the Enterprise four years prior, saving a Romulan warbird from destruction uh, at the edge of the neutral zone and how he's the only one who need, can be there to finalize these negotiations. Stretches a little bit of believability here. What do you think, Kate? Well, I will say to his credit... Riker is the one who's like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is a terrible <laughs> idea. Like, he doesn't have enough, you know, like, swagger or, you know, like, just, you know, belief in his own abilities that he was like, oh, yeah, I can muscle my way through this or whatever. Like, he's the <laughs> one that's like, caution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen to the person who says that. Yeah, you should. You should listen to those people. Like, I don't think I should do this. And you're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't. It's probably even just yeah. that question means that like, eh, maybe not. It reminded me almost of like, oh, yeah, you've got to go on stage right now and perform a, an extremely important uh, uh, diplomatic duty. Go. You know, right. But I they're enemies. Jean-Luc Picard is like, yeah, no problem. You got this. We'll, you can train up in two days. And uh <laughs> Troy says, all right, well, let's go back to your quarters. And Riker says, well, I can't deal with any more surprises right now. <laughs> and I literally said out loud, I bet you there's going to be one. Yeah. <laughs> That's good writing. Isn't that the part in Clue where the uh, chandelier drops? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a really good reveal, though. I thought being in there, Troy doesn't give anything away. She's like, does anything uh, sparking? Any memories? And then we hear... The trombone being played, and I thought that was a really great way to introduce Jean-Luc Riker. Uh, and he says, hey, Dad, I know you've been in a coma for 10 days, but I'm just going to say hi to you as if nothing's <laughs> happened. Hey, Dad. Act break. I think maybe that's how a kid would say, even if your dad really was in a coma for 10 days. You would not be like, hey, um, do you remember me? I'm just I'm just glad to know that royalty free music uh, has not changed in the 24th century and we still play things like three blind mice to make sure that we're not uh, yeah. infringing uh, on anything. <laughs> and that his trombone is so new that he's having trouble with three blind mice. Why would we assume that? Coinc never mind. Why would we assume that coincidentally that he wakes up and his kid has just learned the trombone? <laughs> I thought it was hot cross buns. Is that the same thing? Uh, three blind mice. Three blind mice. Basically, yeah, hot cross yeah. buns is 
Hot cross Hot buns. Hot cross buns. Hot cross yeah. buns. <laughs> that's that's one of the first things I learned when I learned trombone. Actually, though, that's oddly uh, at Ooh. around the same time this is being aired. I was learning it, and uh, I remember being like, "Hey, I know how to do that song better than that Joker does." <laughs> I could be your son. <laughs> I could be your son, Riker. <laughs> Jean Luc. Jean Luc. So then, of course, that's when we uh, ass kisser learn right away that his son yeah. is named after his favorite captain slash admiral, um, and that daddy issues. I this scene is actually uh, really powerful. I thought because Riker is just getting like body blowed, body blowed after all of these like weird things happening to him, and you see him be like he's has the question the entire time that he's talking to Troy about his son. Are you the mother? Like, what's our relationship like right now? And I think he handles it really well being like, you know, cut through the noise. Deanna, who is his mother? She died two years ago. And you can just like the way he grabs his face, I thought was like, that's yeah, that's the reaction I think I would have. Cause you're like, I have all these thoughts and emotions, but I don't have any memories of why I should be having these thoughts and emotions at this moment. It was very, I thought for, uh, a, a pretty good performance there. What did you guys think? I couldn't disagree more, Greg, but go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Eric. Tell me why. No, I'm <clears throat> No, I'm kidding. I think I think you handled that very well. Yeah. I like it's good to know that he still has a a type, right? He went to the ship's counselor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's that piece of regret from her like, you know, you assume because of uh you know, the fact that she doesn't have much of a character of her own unless Riker or her mother are there. Uh, they don't really treat Deanna well. But uh, you can tell in this moment that as she describes it, she's having those complex feelings, which is really nice. Like, it could have been us. You know, there's there's regret there. There's irony there. There's a little bit of humor there. Like, it's a delightful performance yeah. from her. Maybe even a little bit of jealousy too. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, but many layers. I don't know. I, the first thing that popped in mind watching this scene, being like, "Wait, he 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 married his ship's counselor, who he's in charge of." That seems wrong, <laughs> right? This is what I'm saying. He has a type. He's got a type. <laughs> <laughs> this conversation ends with Troy being like, spend time with him, which is of course now the boy's voice saying that like, hang out with your son. I need some one. <laughs> um, and they have a pretty good exchange. I like that Riker is like immediately into dad mode. And I was this scene and then the scene in the turbo lift later. Um, I listened to a podcast with uh, Gates McFadden interviewing uh some of her former castmates uh, and jonathan frakes i think was the first episode and it was really interesting hearing actors talk about their lives that we only see them through the lens of these this performance um jonathan frakes is, is a dad and he the way he talked about his children in that podcast is exactly how he portrays himself here in this scene i think maybe even before he has kids or maybe he did have kids or they were they were younger children at this age um and it was this very much like, oh, yeah, OK, this is this is how Riker would be as a as, as a dad or this is how Frakes is as a dad. And he's letting that inform his portrayal awesome. here. Awesome. Great. <laughs> Good on that one. <laughs> this is another computer thing not working where he tries to call up his service record. I'm not sure why in the okay. middle of talking to his son, he's like, wait a second. I want to know what my service record is. 
I think it's to give the piece of information that that his uh, son was asking for earlier, the start date of when the his homework assignment uh, needed the start date or something like that. But the computer stalls again, oh, that. and this is a little bit of a tell where the kid comes in. And he's like, "Is that the information that you wanted from the computer?" Mm. Oh, right. Are yeah, the yeah. scanners working correctly? Good point. Um, but it cuts in, and and the, the 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 kid does this a bunch of times with a oh, we got to go somewhere else distraction, and you see. Riker does have a bit of a of a doubt here. He does narrow mm-hmm. his eyes a little bit as he's leaving Jean-Luc. And he goes, okay, well, I got to go do my, my, my duties there. But it, something did stick in his brain there. Well, the last thing uh, Jean-Luc says to him is, Dad, everything's going to be fine. Like, he, he drops in a lot of those, too, where, like, he checks in on things. He's always like, oh, that's weird, but don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Uh, and then he gives that weird look. Yeah, right? Which, with yeah. the knowledge that we know now, is like he was trying to uh, make sure that, of course, everything is going to be fine because you're going to be here forever. <laughs> so then we realize the the Romulan ambassador that they're going to be speaking to is none other than our friend Tomalak, played by Andreas Katsulas. Uh, he, the actor, said that he did not enjoy the fact that he had to not be on a view screen uh, anymore. He thought this part was so much better when he was just from the from the chest up. Uh, and the fact that he had to walk around and talk around, even though it was a simulation only, uh, he thought it, it it drew away some of the power of this role. I don't know if I agree. I think Andreas Katsalas is enough of an imposing figure. Um, and the way that that <laughs> uniform kind of makes it very square and boxy, mm-hmm. like he just it still felt very imposing, uh, even though in this case he's supposed to be an ally. Well, it's funny you say that because the, the one scene where he walks away after the, the Riker and the kid go in the brig, I thought he's like that's you walk funny, <laughs> like he like he like it was almost like a comedy or something. The way he sort of whisked away. Um, well, he he did say he he never figured out really what to do with his arms in that costume. Yeah, it's and com- it was weird because uh, it's so stiff. That's one of the reasons he liked just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, he had like three different sleeves, and he's swinging his arms, and nobody else is. It was. I I agree. He was still imposing because he's who he is. Right. Uh, but there was there was some interesting physicality there. Um, and that's where we're reminded that the last time we saw Tomalak, he threatened to take the hull of the Enterprise home and display it on Romulus. Uh, and how the times have changed. And Troy says, "Yeah, things have changed. Get it through your skull, Riker." <laughs> <laughs> um, Riker is a little bit suspicious of Tomalak uh, because of that and one thing that popped in my brain which no one commented on uh, in the script but the fact that there's a Romulan walking around in front of Worf without Worf making any kind of or anything mm. means that there was a change there because <laughs> right. he's got uh, a specific ire against yeah. the race who killed his uh, his parents not a lot of Worf in this episode at all really um, and and to his detriment. And then that's where Riker kind of calls a little private meeting and be like, are we sure we want to tell Tomalak everything? <laughs> At the same time, Data is taking Tomalak up to their uh, science station to be like, and this is how we can detect your ships if they're cloaked. Right. <laughs> which, which that was also weird. I was like, what? <laughs> that doesn't well, make any and sense. Riker wasn't even around for that. So that I was know. just really good extra work on the alien kids part. Like he's really going the extra mile there. 
just in case he heard it in the background. Feeling in backstory. It was like he was starting to get into his groove. He's like, I got a little backstory here. For some <laughs> and then Riker says, are you sure we want to give up the location of our secret base in the neutral zone? And Picard's like, your, your information is out of date. That's not uh, a, a important star base anymore. Um, and you can... Yeah, no yeah, big whoop. it's fine. No big deal. And this is where, again, the kid is using uh, drama to... To, to change the scene because Riker's about to argue further where he's like, oh, you got to go to sickbay. Jean-Luc hurt his something. He's injured. Right. And he broke his wrist, which he immediately says, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's just a change of scenery to get right, him away right. off of the suspicion. We go to sickbay and uh, see the nurses dealing with uh, Jean-Luc, who's got a very cool uniform on. I actually kind of really like his uh, outfit here. It's got like that black, like... Uh, almost rubber looking thing on one side and it's you, we find out he was playing Parisi Squares mm-hmm. I just had this realization <laughs> that during this scene Crusher gives Will because Will gets all mad like what were you doing and then Crusher gives him a little parenting lesson on you know what he needs to do to, to make you know young Picard you know young Jean-Luc feel safe and that was the kid giving the lesson on how he needed to be treated. And that just broke my heart a little bit. Just oh, now. yeah. Yes, that's so true. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, and it's it not all. helps fill in the holes, right? Like some of it's like, oh, it's so weird. Or like so apparent that something's off. Uh, and then when you bring that up, it's like, but that kind of fills in those holes a little bit. Like, right. That's, uh, that's great. He just wants a friend. Um, Parisi Squares is the uh, sport that back in season one, Worf and Yar were playing on a star base. It was like one of those like kind of moments where you see, I think it was actually the same episode where uh, Minuet is mentioned. Uh, now that I think about it, I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm going to go with it. It's true. Um, uh, but it's I just like that, they, that, that this <laughs> episode, the only reason I bring that up is this episode is very good at um, doing what this season and the previous season did, which was mentioning older facts from older episodes like Katsulas, like Parisi Squares, like all these things, and we can and, and we can build off of them based on our knowledge of previous episodes. I will bet you that Jimmy really enjoyed the techno babble coming out of uh, Dr. Crusher talking about the Flarktunian compressor oh, yeah, or sure. whatever it was to keep that going on the kid for another two hours or two minutes or whatever it was. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) Riker takes Dr. Crusher's advice and uh, has a nice kind of touching moment with the boy, Jean-Luc, and they walk and talk a little bit, talking about how they are going to get together uh, more. And the scene in the turbo lift is Riker saying to, you know, he was maybe a little bit focused on himself and how he was dealing with this amnesia, not realizing that his son lost his father, lost his mother. And uh, he may not get any of those memories back ever, but all they can do is make new memories. And this is where they bring up the uh, holodeck program on Curtis Creek where they can go fishing. And this is probably the undoing of this entire charade, uh, unfortunately for, uh, barrage because this Curtis Creek program has a lot of memories associated with um, uh, the family getting together and Minuet 
uh, being involved. And it drives Riker to call up uh, some visual records, of which the kid is also like, oh, I know they're in there. I can access them for you only with like a little bit of a delay. And when they start finally see the pictures, it's a weird moment where we're watching. And I don't I, I wasn't necessarily focused on on her because the action was on uh, of. Well, there's the one the bit with the mask and the scaring, um, but also the birthday cake coming in. <laughs> and it's only near the end of it where you see her full face to the camera. And the score does a really good job here where it like does like a almost like a horror movie stinger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't um, recognize her right away. Mm -mm. Uh, and partly it was because the way they filmed it, it made it look like they were the only ones in the room, the three of them. And so I didn't know who's, is this like the, the room itself is videotaping? You know, like the computers taking a memory for you? Um, I was a little distracted by that. And I honestly, I, then I was like, who is that? She's... What actor? I can't wait till Eric brings up this person because I know I've seen her before. Uh, and then Crusher, you know, busted out for me right. that it was Vinny. I was like, oh, right. Oh, my goodness. So this is uh, something fishy going on here. Um, and so it was, for me, it's a lovely reveal just because I, I wasn't smart enough to keep up. <laughs> I mean, I think it was done purposefully. I think that, I don't think it was that you were not smart, Jimmy. I think it was done in a way so that you wouldn't Ooh. notice it until that moment. <laughs> Motherfuck you. <laughs> I totally didn't recognize it as Minuet. Uh, I just thought, oh, what a pleasant looking brunette. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is one of those moments where it sucks to do the, the guest stars because I knew it just simply because she was in my head because if I had already done the guest star kind of research. Ah. Um, so I, I, I wish that I had the opportunity to, to, not, to not notice because uh, I bet that was kind of fun. It was. Uh, and I think his really cold muted reaction is even more terrifying though too in a way mm -hmm. he's just like minuet and he looks at the kid and the kid's like <laughs> what the fuck did i do wrong like <laughs> yeah now this scene and the next scene coming up where we get a bunch of the supposed uh um exposition or like this is what happening i thought there's a lot of like just showing everybody your hand hmm. because when he gives the kid a, yeah. the dirty look there i was like well if you are in danger Riker, you just let everybody know that you're on to them. And now you don't have an upper hand anymore, yeah. which was not a great choice. Hmm. Uh, Writing-wise, I think, because it didn't allow him to go anywhere. Hmm. He, he, now he was at the ceiling. I know what you're doing. Instead of a little bit of subtlety of playing it to your close to your chest so that you have the upper hand and you can surprise them with, ha, you thought I was in fooled by you but you were fooled by me <laughs> ah <laughs> that is very Riker though it's a little bit where where he just goes to the yelling part uh uh when when he's when he's pressed um but yeah he's not he doesn't lack for confidence yeah less less of the poker Riker and more of the 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 angry Riker we remember from season one and two so the kid tries, once he sees this happen, the kid tries the same tactic of being like, well, we got to go to the bridge. It's something that needs uh, attention somewhere else. Um, and that's where he goes to Jordy. And Jordy's like, 
for some reason, I got to shut down the warp core. And Riker, you're right. He just throws out like, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. You would not, uh, this, this diagnostic is taking way too long. You're incapable of being that <laughs> incompetent, which I don't know if that's true. I mean, everybody's incapable of being incompetent. Um, and then he goes to Worf and says like, where did you get that scar? Yeah, like pride. I didn't even know Worf had that scar. Uh, so I was actually a little bit like, you know, uh, where it where it came from? I guess it was supposed to be the passage of time in these sixteen years. He presses data to be like, how long will it take us to get to there? At this warp, at this warp, can't do it. And who told you you look good in cranberry? <laughs> uh, and then uh, Picard comes in and is like, this is highly irregular. How, how dare you do this? <laughs> and he says, shut, shut up! up! <laughs> it's such a great. You shut your mouth. <laughs> and then he explains what shut up means. <laughs> Close your mouth and stop talking in case you didn't know. And uh, he says, I'm tired of this charade. Um, I saw a little bit here in the uh, Memory Alpha page that there is there is another take where he pronounces it in Picard terms where he, he says charade. Charade? Yes. Uh, but they... Uh, they went with a charade take, uh, which is, I think, the right way to go. Yes. Um, no, I, I, I'm pro charade. It's all I want. <laughs> I don't care if you're pseudo British or not. It is. Uh, nope. Give me charade every time. I think it's always charade, and I think it's always pecan. That's it. <laughs> as well as aluminium. Yes, the funnier the funnier one is always the correct one. <laughs> Katsulis uh, or, or or Tomalak uh, walks across, and this is where we see the entire fantasy fall apart. It is, of course, inside a Romulan base where they have been trying to get into his mind and find out the location of Starbase thirty two. Uh, in the neutral system and it's uh, a little bit of a matrix moment of like let me show you what's really happening behind the curtain and this at this point i bought this as the mm -hmm. as the this is why things have seemed weird i was like okay so this is what's happening they've they've made him look older or they've done something like i was like aha the twist has arrived mm -hmm. agreed i thought i bought it too the only thing i was like why are you each telling each other so much <laughs> giving away so much knowledge uh, of where each other stands. And it, I didn't get that, but I totally bought like, okay, but now we're caught up. This is where uh, Riker really is. Um, and I, I believed it too. I was like, oh, okay, that's really smart that this is this has all been a thing, but it's a little bit early for the big reveal was the only thought I had. And I just want to note a little bit about the writing of this. This was by uh, J. Larry Carroll and David Bennett Karen. They pitched this. This was like an unsolicited pitch that came in, and they ended up being uh, hired as story editors for the rest of the season uh, based awesome. on this pitch. Uh, and Michael Piller, who was uh, leading a lot of the charge around the writing, said that uh, the first draft was really, really good, but it missed. This part wasn't in it. And he's the one who suggested adding another layer because it would have been, as we've talked about on the show Too before. Too early for reveal. Or it would have just been like, well, it was all a dream, and that's it. Like and he thought that adding this extra secondary, mm. you know, matrix of things prevented it from 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 that trope because, as you said, we all believed it. We're like, oh yeah, of course, this makes sense that it's a Romulan thing. And then the ha the fact that it was a double reveal um, made those made this episode uh, not fall into those traps. 
Um, and this is where we also get a little bit of the little kid asking as Tomalak, how did you, how did you figure it out? Like I did so much work scanning and recreating everything. Right. Like why, how, surely just because the computer lag wasn't enough. Um, and that's where he says, I, this a little bit embarrassing, I think for Riker, where he's like, she was a simulation. Porn. It was a very special program. <laughs> like, but you had really strong emotional attachment to this woman. And he's like, shut up. But I mean, from my the way I was hearing was Tom was saying uh, it was almost like uh, the albino from Princess Bride. Like, uh, please be honest for posterity. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, uh, he was asking, was like, you know, for future people that we may steal away and manipulate their brains, please help us to understand where we went wrong. And Riker's like, sure, I'll tell you. This is how you did it. Yeah. 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 Don't look at my porn, for one, because I really believe it. Yeah. To be real. Uh, and I think Riker even has a line of saying, like, that was a bad move. Bad move, yes. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> like he's trying to gloat about the fact that he figured it out. Um, and then it's, you know, it, uh, we don't know what to do. We got to introduce this kid again somehow. By the way, here is your son, Jean-Luc. We'll put you in this holding cell and remember we're the ones in charge. You better tell us that piece of information. Like even, they didn't even, don't really even build up that this is the information that they really need. It's just like, ah, oh, go in here. And we're going to go for a walk for 35 to 40 seconds and right, you right, better have right. it now. Which was when it happened, I was like, what is this? Why did they go and why did they come back as if the time is up all of a sudden? But it, yeah. it, it became immediately, uh, uh, um, uh, we knew why in a second. And it made total sense. Like a yeah, little yeah. kid was just trying to hold on to whatever strings he could. Yeah. And this is where Kotzalus look, make looking weird actually right. <laughs> helps that. <laughs> where are we going? <laughs> Uh, so he says that, uh, or, or, or the kid says that his name is Ethan. His parents were killed. He throws the, my, my planet was invaded. Yeah, throws that line in a very <laughs> yelly way. Um, but I think Riker buys it at this moment. They were on Meridian 6, and they were yeah. brought here, and they used his likeness uh, as a son for, uh, for Riker in the simulation. Doesn't really show why they kept him alive, other than I guess they needed... I guess you could say they needed the the realness of a of a kid or a son to to make that happen, but we don't really question it quite yet. Um, this actor does a very good job of being a different way of acting than uh, Jean Luc Riker was. That's uh, mm-hmm. to start, right? He's very timid and scared, and and that draws Riker in as well uh, from his recent experience of of fathering. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tom Lack comes back. We need that piece of information. And somehow the two of them overpower three Romulan guards. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't about worry it. about it. Yeah. The best way to do all of these things is to appeal to Riker's sense of uh, masculinity and confidence. Like you're able to pull some wool over this guy's eyes if you do that for a while. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. And it, and it follows along where, like, anytime things were about to be questioned, oh, here's the action. 
here's yeah. the here's the way to move the plot forward. Riker Riker's like, this is exactly how I imagined things would go if I were trapped in a cell of Romulans. <laughs> of course, me and a twelve year old boy would be able to defeat trained military professionals. Yeah, they shoot a whole bunch of people. There's a lot of phaser fire here in the hallway. Uh, I read also that this hallway, this entire base, was repurposed set from uh, the Borg cube. Uh, nice. So nice. very good nice. recycling job here. Thank you, uh, 1990 Clear Air Act, for helping out with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a circle back. <laughs> it's a callback, people. A callback, sorry. Right, and then he's like, what about that secret hiding place you told me about? Circle back. Where you... And they go to the secret hiding place, and the act ends with the the Romulans shaking a grate that they can't possibly open because of a small piece of wire. <laughs> nope. Their scanners don't work either, apparently. And this is another really fun exchange, which I love in here, where the the, uh, the kid Ethan at this point says, oh yeah, I overheard them. Their scanners don't work. And Riker's like, heavy metal? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> He's like, Whoop! I didn't know if I was going to get out of that one. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> it is, is heavy metal. metal. <laughs> it was Slayer that did this, man. <laughs> I was going to uh, go Judas Priest, but Slayer's a yeah. nice pull. They make it to their hiding place. They pile some some large uh, containers up uh, to to block them, and that's such a very kid thing. Being like, oh, we're going to hide out in this secret hidey hole uh, for a long time, and they discuss plans. He's got a map. This dude made a map. <laughs> this little kid, he made a map of the entire base. That is going to be plot that they can resolve for weeks to come. <laughs> but he catches him in saying, who's the voice uh, security tied to? Oh, it's only Ambassador Tomalak. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Stupid kid. <laughs> <laughs> Dumbass. And he does have that moment of like, uh, I must, you must have said it. You must have been dreaming and said it in a, in while you were sleeping. <laughs> and again, the charade falls apart. The kid tries to make mm. act. Charade. charade. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> the charade. Um, <laughs> Cotillus comes in and he's like, ah, we're going to get you. And then I thought you said the scanner didn't work because of the heavy metals. You just said that. You didn't remember it. <laughs> and uh, this is where the entire uh, gig is up. Uh, also, it's when we go back to the Enterprise and look, there's Riker's signal. And it must have been uh, Barash is like, I guess I can let them talk to him now. And I like this line, too. Of like, do you know what's going what's going on down there? I don't know, but I think I'm about to find out. And uh, we get the whole shebang. We sit down. We chat. We come up with the single <laughs> worst plastic mask in the history of Star Trek. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, original series. And you note that that Riker, like when when he's good old Ethan or Jean Luc, you know he's like the cutest kid ever, and he's like, "Come back up to the Enterprise with me. You'll be my you'll be my son for real." And then he switches into that alien, and he's like, "Ooh, you know what? I'm real busy. Uh, this is just not a great time for me right now." <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and the, I know they were trying what they were trying to do where where uh, the reveal of actually what 
Jean-Luc looks like. They lift his arms up, and it's supposed to be the same position that Barash the alien has, but it's not even close to being the same position, <laughs> arms. But uh, but they tried. Um, yeah. I will also note that this is uh, another scene from Star Trek Acid Party, where mm-hmm. it goes, awesome. I am Barash, and then it does like a dance move with him bouncing <laughs> back and forth to some jazz <laughs> happening there. Uh, which makes me laugh. I might do the acid party after this. You need to, please. Yeah, uh, it's worth it. Um, and then uh, that's it. It's very. It's, it doesn't really get a lot of resolution, other than like this is what it was. These scanners were able to give you whatever you want. I just wanted something real. And uh, the writers uh, and producers basically said like this is Star Trek in its essence. Like you, you did all these things. It was with good intentions. You don't need to be alone anymore come with us and journey the stars and i thought that was pretty sweet as well as not uh making it too treacly at the end i like a little treacle it's a little treacle i mean to me you'll always be jean-luc <laughs> no but but my name is as bashar or whatever it was <laughs> barash 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 i was close yeah same same letters there his name is beloche yeah Belloc. <laughs> uh, so that's the end of the episode. Uh, what oh, yeah. did you all think about Future Imperfect? Jimmy, I will throw it to you first since you look like you're the least prepared. <laughs> I will give it seven child alien heads. Strong. Because it's uh, it, it was a great reveal at the end. Um and all the loose, the loose ends that it had throughout were uh, forgiven because of uh, what was actually happening. But the one big fail that I think it has um, is that in Picard season two, when Picard goes to visit Riker um, at his home with Troy, you know, at Riker and Deanna's home, and they have the little girl there, it would have been great if uh, we should have seen Barash in the background or something like. Like he was just walking across the field or, you know, he comes out of the bathroom to pee because he's like visiting <laughs> the dad, you know, his, his foster dad. Uh, nothing big. No, just just see him again. It is, is with a terrible costume and everything. Like just as bad. Uh, just, a you know, a little circle back as I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to imagine the costume hasn't even been shifted for his growth either. Yes. It's like yes. totally. You see a 40 year old man's belly coming out. Yes. Yes. Uh, it almost reminds me of the alien from American Dad uh, a bit in the way yeah. it yeah. is portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. yeah. You mean Paul Lind? Uh, yes. Paul yes. Lind's name is. Roger. Kate, what did you think of this episode? Uh, this is a good episode. I'm going to give this, uh, I'll also give this uh, seven trombones tromboning. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's really nice work by Jonathan Frakes throughout. You know, there's, um, it doesn't fall into the same traps necessarily as some of the other uh, bottle episodes of like it was all a dream right and mm-hmm. I think Jimmy pointed to that like once you know the reason why all of those holes are in the story it completely makes sense and you forgive those um, I just think that it's a it's a really interesting 
uh, ride that the writers took us on. And I will, again, uh, cop to being completely taken along with that story so that when the first sort of twist happens, I was like, aha, here it is. And then that second shoe drops and I was like, oh, well played, Star Trek Next Generation. Well played. Well. Excellent. Eric, what about you? I mean, I'm not going to buck the trend, so I'm going to go with seven, but it's seven smooth operators because don't think that I didn't note that Sade reference earlier and yes. uh, <laughs> deeply appreciate it. Uh, I It's been said, like, I, I think I came into the recording giving it a five and y'all have made it so much more enjoyable with your insights into kind of what the kid was doing and you know the the layers that we can choose to look into even mistakes if there are some in this and and putting it on the kids uh innocence and you know weird nerdiness it's it's great i I like this episode sweet well i'm i'm continuing i think it is also uh seven goat evil goateed picards coming in (laughs) and making this episode more memorable than it might have been if it was handled um, by a less perfect writer or less, you know, like a less skilled um, uh, cast. Like I think they took this concept and they really made it as, as powerful as it could be uh, while keeping it in suspense. Um, Frakes' performance keeps it going and is uh, quite heart wrenching at times. And I thought that the, um, kid actor, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, there's a reason why he worked so much uh, as a child, uh, because he is Chris Dimitral. Chris Dimitral, you did great work here, as you did in all your other work, um, because it. Uh, I don't think it would have worked without someone like him um, being a nice foil to 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 Frakes in all of this. Um, and the writing was clever, in fact, to have it be um, something that we didn't expect. Um, also, I just love all the callbacks to other previous episodes and future callbacks, circlebacks. future imperfect, yeah, circlebacks, circle as well as <laughs> all the nickelbacks that we're listening to uh, while listening to this episode. Um, it is motherfuckers. <laughs> it's good. It's good stuff. It's great sci-fi. It's what if you woke up and you were 16 years older, um, and how prescient those were. <laughs> so, I think you mean pre-science. <laughs> pre-science and. Um, and I especially loved getting back together with everyone here and talking track. Yes, yes. And I can't wait to continue this journey uh, through season four with our next episode, episode nine. Thank you all. And my pants are soaking wet. I can see that from here. Yeah. <laughs> it smells like methane. Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Reengage. Next week, we continue our mission with the next episode of the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Reengage on Twitter at ReengageTNG to get updates when episodes are published and some other stuff. You can also follow our various Cultural Bridge crew on social media. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Reengage is edited by Greg Tito. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo 97 on Twitter. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now for the Traveler 
to re-engage. It is the first time we've ever had this same rating for an episode. All four of us. It, it felt it felt right. <laughs>